Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I... And this is Bob, my husband. Oh, she beat me to it! <laughs> as I was saying, this, as always, is my husband, Bob, and co Hi, guys! Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog, reporting on the scene. Speaking of, let's get to some news. Oh, just jumping right into the news. Can't be bothered <laughs> to banter, can you, Kermit? I mean, thank God, though, because I have nothing to say. My life is very boring. (laughs) Work, home, podcast. Work, home, podcast. Yes. And crafting. That's the only thing exciting that I have is if any of you happen to be near Gloucester, Virginia, (laughs) it's a very small town, but if any of you are going to the Gloucester Daffodil Festival, I will be set up as a vendor there. For the audience who is nowhere near Virginia and might be Googling that, it's spelled Gloucester, so, like, good luck with that. Yeah. I'm very excited to be a part of it. It's just kind of a limited number of vendors this year because of COVID. So very stoked to be accepted as a vendor there. And if by any wild chance any of you guys happen to be near Gloucester and happen to go, I'll see you there. Yeah, and if not, she has a lot of her wares up on BrowseHouseMedia.com. Yes, I do. I'm not adding a bunch of the stuff to the store quite yet because I imagine I'm going to sell through a lot of it at the festival, but whatever does not sell, I will add to the store shortly after. And now that we've shamelessly plugged ourselves, now let's get into the news. Starting on March 26th, the monthly price in the U.S. is going to go up $1 to $8 a month. We had previously reported on prices going up in other countries with the addition of Disney Star, but I can't remember if we brought up the price increase here yet. No, I think we that's had a not. relatively new announcement. It is. So this next bit of news is the one I am the most excited about. I oh man, this I show. I did see this. So there is a new show being developed for Disney Plus called The Society of Explorers and Adventurers. It is inspired by theme park stuff. The show is being run by Ronald D. Moore of Battlestar Galactica and Outlander and Star Trek fame, and he is developing it with Disney Imagineers. And all signs are pointing to this being a show based on the Adventurers Club, which is so freaking exciting. Yes, this is blowing up everywhere. I've seen it on TikTok in different places. The Adventurers Club is connected to everything like this gives disney the opportunity to connect to almost every property in their parks and they did say in the statement that it is going to be part of i mean they're basically making a disney parks cinematic universe yeah 
they're going to start a bunch of series based on park attractions and oh my god. Yeah, no, I mean, this is exciting news. Not to mention the fact that when we go on the cruise, the Adventures Club kind of bar setup they have there. All of it. I love it being connected. I love everything being amazing. What ride would you want to see most turn into a TV show? Ooh, I don't even know. Space Mountain, maybe? What kind of space thing do you want it to be? I, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, I, I'm so excited about this idea that I haven't even thought it through. But, like, the adventurers people, they connect to not only your Adventureland things, like your... your Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. Swiss Family Robinson. Swiss Family Robinson. Technically, Pirates of the Caribbean is connected to it. You can even go as far as Indiana Jones everything park-wide. That's the cool thing about it is I don't even know where to go with it. There are so many ideas that could be involved in it. I 110% know what show I want. Go ahead. I want a scary show, as scary as Disney Plus will let Mm, it be. I know where you're going. About the Hollywood Tower Hotel. Oh, not where I thought you were going. Where did you think I was going? Haunted Mansion. I also would love a Haunted Mansion Both Haunted Mansion and Tower of Terror got fucking screwed the first go around with their movie adaptations. They both suck so hard. Wait, there was a Tower of Terror? Oh, yes, there was. It had Kirsten Dunst in it, buddy. What? Yeah. And, oh God, what's his name? One of the guys from Three Men and a Baby. Ted Danson? No. Steve Gutenberg? That one. I'm pretty sure it's Steve Gutenberg playing the dad and Kirsten Dunst playing the daughter. The stonecutters from The Simpsons keep Steve Gutenberg a star. Huh? In the episode where uh, Homer joins the stonecutters, the Masons-esque thing, mm-hmm. in their song, part of it is, We keep Steve Gutenberg a star. We do. We oh, do. Oh, God, I remember that episode. Yeah. That is a very deep cut. Yep. So, yeah, my number one vote would be a Hollywood Tower Hotel series. And specifically the hotel. I don't need another Twilight Zone. Right. We already got that happening on CBS All Access. I want a show about the Hollywood Tower Hotel based in that time period, all that good stuff. Uh, So other news, I go from something that I absolutely can't wait for and something that has apparently been on Disney Plus and I've never even fucking heard about. (laughs) Stargirl, which is a... I think it's a YA novel, a young adult novel, that they made a movie based on. The movie is getting a sequel. I didn't know the movie existed, but okay. This will be Disney Plus's first ever sequel, and Grace Vanderwall is going to reprise her role in it. They announced a bunch of drop dates for some of the series recently. And I am here for it. Star Wars The Bad Batch will debut on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you! Yes. On May 14th, season two of High School Musical, the musical, the series, will drop. Season two of Zenimation will be available on June 11th. I enjoyed Zenimation. I did too. It will contain a wider variety of segments. It's going to have scenes from Snow White all the way up through Raya and the Last Dragon. Nice. There is a new series from the Monsters, Inc. universe called Monsters at Work. That is going to air on July 2nd. Is this where we connect that Violet is Boo? Violet? Violet from The Incredibles. There's a fan theory of Connected Universe that Boo grows up to be Violet. Oh my god, you and your fucking (laughs) Connected Universe fan theories. I can't. 
Well, think about it. She was always good at hiding. There was times where Sully could never find her, and maybe she was going invisible. No. Come on. No. No. Also, we've already talked about, they announced the Turner and Hooch series. Yeah. Yeah. The debut for that will be July 16th, and they did release the first photo from it. It's a dude and a dog. (laughs) It is. It is. Wow, that is a buff dog. Yeah. Did that dog work out for this part? He's a hearty, hearty boy. He's got a chest that could bench press me. And jowls for days. Yeah, I mean, adorable looking dog. I wouldn't want him in my house. And that's the whole kind of, you know, thing of the series. But moving on. A new animated series called Chippendale Park Life is going to drop on July 23rd. The good news is there will be 36 episodes of it. Nice. The bad news is, is that each of those episodes is going to be seven minutes long. Also, the other bad news that I'm not super stoked about, I'm just not into the animation style. They released a picture from it. It kind of reminds me of Fairly Odd Parents kind of look. It's it's not quite bad animation, but it is definitely hard outline, big cartoony faces. It definitely skews more towards the rebooted Mickey cartoons, which I kind of like those because those are new style, but also really throwback to old fashioned animation. This one just looks like a caricature of them. Yeah, it doesn't look like Chip and Dale. Yeah, Dale has the big red nose and Chip has the little black nose and things like that. And their coloration is varied. I get it. And I think that it's like they get the essence of it, but they don't get the essence of the characters, for at least from this photo in particular. Chip and Dale are near and dear to my heart, so, like, this is a big deal to me. It looks... Oh, what was it? They look like fucking Funko Pops. Well, their heads of, are bigger than their bodies. <laughs> yeah, like, that. Um, there's another property that has... And maybe it's two chipmunks or two groundhogs or something like that. It's an older cartoon. Oh, maybe it was Hanna-Barbera or something like that. Um, dang, I'm not going to be able to think of it. But yeah, that's the style that they look. They don't look like Chip and Dale. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe they'll pleasantly surprise With us. With the fact that it's, what is it, John Mulaney and... Dang, my brain today is not... It's Your drink is too strong, babe. He says as he takes another gulp. Yep. That's good. It's That's the worst part. Ew. I'm looking at an article about it to find the names. And uh-huh. the still picture they have on there is even worse. Oh, no. Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg, that's right. Which, again, I'm excited for the talent. I j- oh, no, 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 no. This is not them. I don't know if they're voicing this. John Mulaney and Andy Samberg are doing the Chippendales in Rescue Rangers for a movie for Disney+. Plus, So they might not be associated with this cartoon. Ooh. That's slated for spring 2022. Okay. Uh, so what have you got for us in the Marvel Minute, Bob? I don't have a lot going on, mostly because we are in the middle of WandaVision. We have, as of this dropping, it'll be tomorrow, our last episode of WandaVision, episode 9. So I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything like that. I think Kate and I talked about doing a big wrap-up the week after WandaVision wrapped up, because they're going to have like a behind-the-scenes episode, and we could talk the whole thing. So there's no, no chance of spoilers for all you guys. I'm excited for what's going on right now, and then following that, we'll get Falcon Winter Soldier. There has been some casting news. Dominique Thorne, Trinidad Root actress, is going to play Marvel's Ironheart, Riri Williams. 
So that's big news. That's a Disney Plus show. And I'm assuming that she'll cross over into the movies. Ryan Coogler is developing a Wakanda-based series for Disney Plus, And he's got a five-year deal with them. That's another amazing thing. And... Loki has a premiere date for June 11th, which is not too far off either. We were just talking about this the other day, that this is a great year to be a Marvel fan. And yes, 2020 was the vapid wasteland. But because of that, you know, we've got WandaVision, we've got Falcon Winter Soldier, we've got Black Widow, Loki, Shang-Chi, Eternals. Spider-Man. Spider-Man now announced for Christmas and the Marvel What If series coming this summer. There's so much coming, so I'm excited to talk about it. Browse House Media is actually dropping our first episode this week of what we're calling The Watcher's Couch. Currently, it's me and a friend, Cedric, talking about WandaVision in depth, all the details and all that kind of stuff. So we've had a, a start and stop. We were trying to do video and whatnot, but it's it's just going to be a podcast for now. I'll make big announcements on Browse House Media as well as, you know, other podcast outlet stuff so check us out there if you want to talk all the details and all the spoilers and all the theories and all that kind of stuff but that's not kate's thing that is correct (laughs) i like easter eggs don't like theories yeah i love it i love talking it and so i needed to find an outlet of someone someone else to talk with me all right shall we get into our movie sure okay how about we get into our drink Mm. yeah we're gonna start off with our drink i was thinking limon and pumbaa (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is there limon in it? Yeah, lemonade. Oh, yeah, I like it. Okay, limon and pumba. <laughs> Not my best. No, I like it. I like it. When I was trying to think of what kind of drink to do for this movie, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And well, she knocked it out of the park, guys. Uh, yeah, it's really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I have downed three quarters of mine, and my yeah. brain is reflecting that. I was trying to think of what kind of drink we could do, and I was like, it's Beyonce. What what do we do to, like, honor Queen Bay? And I was like, lemonade, obviously. Some kind of lemonade involved drink. So what we ended up doing was a kind of lemonade Kentucky Mule, technically, because it is made with Jack Daniels honey, ginger beer. Uh, We use Krabby's because that's what we got, and lemonade. That's it. It's real good. It's really fucking good. (laughs) Honestly, way better than I thought it was going to be. I would love to give you accurate measurements for that, but I did two shots of whiskey and then just kind of threw the rest in there. So you just make it to your heart's content. Make it to taste. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So getting into some trivia, the movie had a bunch of different contributions from poets, artists, other musicians, as well as just friends and family of Beyonce's. So some of the people who make an appearance are poetry by, please pardon me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, I did a lot of research on my lunch break trying to find correct pronunciations of names. I tried really, really hard. Uh, Wazen Shire. And other musical artists that were featured include Techno, Yemi Alade, Mr. Easy, Pharrell, Childish Gambino, and Jay-Z. I did not see Childish Gambino in there. I didn't see him, but I also didn't hear him. Like, he has a very specific sound to him. Yeah. My guess is that he was in there and he just had a lot of makeup on or something. Hmm. I don't know. Other guests included Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child... Tina Knowles, Beyonce's mother, Naomi Campbell, my girl Lupita Nyong'o, and Blue Ivy Carter, Beyonce's daughter. Naomi Campbell was there? 
Mm-hmm. Where? I think she was in the brown skin girl. Really? Yeah. She was in one of the more like party ones. Uh, so this film is made to be a visual companion to the 2019 album, The Lion King, The Gift. Beyonce called it a love letter to Africa. And it was kind of like a companion to the Lion King live action remake. So they kind of all tie in together. It features African dancers, artists, musicians, and even crew members. She went out of her way to try to get as many African staff members involved as possible. The summary of this movie is going to be pretty quick, I imagine. (laughs) This isn't really the kind of movie that you just go scene by scene and talk about what happens, because plot-wise, not a lot happens. It is definitely something that is more experienced. I mean, it's a visual album. It's Pink Floyd's The Wall, even across the universe to an extent. There is a bit of an overarching storyline, but it's pretty segmented, and this is this song, and now this is this song. So the overall collective story is kind of reminiscent of Simba. It starts with a young boy who grows up, kind of loses his way, gets distracted by the finer things in life, and then reconnects with who he is and his ancestors and comes back to really be a leader and come into his own. Yeah, they literally say, brought to you by the lessons in The Lion King. Yeah. They're trying to evoke that spirit. I don't know if they captured, I think they got the lessons. I wouldn't say they got the spirit of The Lion King through the whole thing, personally, but... What, what's the difference? Well, I, well, as you said, this is more of just a visual album. If you showed me this without context of saying that it's based on the lessons of The Lion King, there is no way in hell that I would come back and say, oh, it's The Lion King. I assume we're excluding the fact that they quote The Lion King. Excluding the the literal quotes from it, yes. Right. Okay. I mean, I... Because they were also the quotes from the live action, not the original. Yeah, that hurt my heart a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's the one Beyonce is involved with, so I mean, it only makes sense. Right. Again, I'm not trying to be harsh on this. I'm going to say that straight up first. I didn't love it, but I'm open to the cultural experience that it was. Right. We both talked about it afterward. This is kind of jumping ahead a little bit. While we were watching it, we were kind of like, all right, 45 minutes in, we were kind of ready to be done, largely because we're very plot-based people. Yeah. And there's just not a lot of plot there. But also, like... We fully 100% acknowledge that this movie was not really made for us. (laughs) So it's okay that we don't love it. It was made to inspire young black girls and boys, and I think it 110% will do that. I think it is effective for what Beyonce wants to do, and we'll get into more our general feelings about it at the end, but... So it starts with shots of African cities and landscapes set to Mufasa's Circle of Life speech, and we see a basket floating down the river very Moses style, and Beyonce is holding a baby, and there's a spoken poem being said, and then that transition to a song that I think is called Part of Something Bigger. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't go back and find the individual track names for every single one, because there's a lot of them. For every song, there was like one line that got repeated a lot, so whatever that line is, that's what I'm gonna guess is the title. The next sequence is kind of acknowledging the great kings. So we're hearing the audio of Mufasa talking about the history of the great kings to Simba. Yep. And that goes into the song, Find Your Way Back. This song, my my 
notes for this are celestial imagery. So much bling. Yeah. Because <laughs> she had these crazy costumes that were super, super sparkly and they put this filter on so they were extra sparkly and doing like camera flares and stuff. And I was digging it. In this song, all I could think of was, okay, well, this was a project that she got paid for by Disney to have a family video vlog picture session because Beyonce is in I'd say every 10 to 20 seconds she's in a new outfit yes and they're all amazing I mean don't get me wrong yeah and she looks gorgeous in all of them there's even some of them later uh ones that like she's supposed to be more of a she's supposed to look more plain yeah and even that she can't she's Beyonce She radiates queenhood. But my big takeaway from this whole hour and a half long session was Beyonce wanted to do a fashion shoot with her family and have a video record of that. That's what I got from it. (laughs) I mean, I think that was a pleasant side effect of the (laughs) passion project. Yes, yes. With deeper themes that she really wanted to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I read all of what she wants to inspire with it, and I get it. I'm just saying, it would also be a great family album. Let's just put it that way. Yes. Yes, it would. Next, this baby has grown up, and now he's a young boy. We go into this poem, and they're saying life is a set of choices. Lead or be led astray. The little boy wanders into this warehouse, and he's greeted by a man with a python around his neck. And the man asks the boy, who are you? Very reminiscent of Rafiki, and that leads into a sequence sung by that man and another performer. And then there's, like, this kind of maybe subplot thing of the boy being tempted by gold and just, like, riches and fame, maybe? He was, like, gambling, I think, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything you're saying, I can see right back to that thing in my head, but if you asked me to explain this, I would be like, I, I, I don't, I don't know, there was a guy with a snake... That it was, there was a guy with all gold around him. In the moment, I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. I just, I couldn't connect because I've never walked into a warehouse and just talked to a guy with a 10-foot python around his neck who's like, who are you? I, just, I don't remember that happening in my life. I actually have talked to people holding 10-foot pythons. That's I've been true. that person. <laughs> you have been that person. So our next scene is basically the elephant graveyard scene. The boy is hanging out with a group of bikers. And this scene is, like, really creepily filmed. There's a lot of really quick edits and that filming style where they kind of speed it up and slow it down so your motions look super jerky. Yeah, a la, like, the ring kind of thing. Yeah, it was was pretty unnerving and pretty effective. Or like a Missy Elliott. Yeah, 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 exactly. That goes straight into audio of Scar saying, Simba, what have you done? This is where the Lion King parallels kind of start breaking a little bit because we've had a huge time jump in the movie. Yeah. Because we've gone straight from the elephant graveyard to Mufasa's death. Then we've got audio from Lion King of no true king ever dies. Our ancestors are reflected in us. This song was pretty cool. All of the costumes and a lot of the background decorations, everything was white. It was very stark and really neat. And one line that really stuck out to me was there was a line in the song that said, Uncle Sam, if I can never know me, how can you? Yeah. Which I was like, ooh, that was cool. That hit me hard too. How many congressmen, how many 
people in authority are definitely not watching this. And even if they just heard that line, maybe they might consider things just a little bit differently. It just pains me that we look at something that is so powerful that both of us, just sitting next to each other, we didn't really talk about what we were talking about. That was one of our key points that we pulled from this thing. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that can change minds and can change hearts. And that's why she made this movie. Well, I guarantee that the people who need to hear it will never hear that word. Well, it's out there, which means they can, so. It's true, it's true. So this next scene is when I realized that the quotes were coming from the Lion King remake, because now we have Billy Eichner talking. (laughs) Most of the other quotes were Mufasa, so it was still James Earl Jones. It hit me with Scar when I was like, that's not Jeremy Irons. Yeah, I think at that point I was so caught up in the visual stuff that was happening because there's this guy really creepily staring into the camera and like kind of (laughs) roaring like a lion. Yeah. So I think I was kind of captivated by what was happening there and didn't realize it. And then it was like, hello, I'm Billy Eichner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now we kind of get to the Lion Sleeps Tonight sequence. The kid is now in this very opulent house. There's a bunch of beautiful art and statues. He pulls up to the palace in this fancy car. That's not just a fancy car. That's a Rolls Royce. And a Rolls Royce. Thank you. And now is when Jay-Z shows up. Oh, and hold on. That's not just a Rolls Royce. That is a literal, I don't know my prints. So that is either a Jaguar or a cheetah print Rolls Royce. Yeah, everything was leopard print. Leopard print, okay. Because I I don't know the cat spots and whatnot. But it was one of those things I was like, I see what you're going with there, but man, that looks tacky as hell. Oh, see, I loved it. Oh, I did not. Because it was like so much. Because not only was the Rolls Royce leopard print, Beyonce and all of her entourage were also dressed head to toe in leopard print. And all of the guys are in that same shade of orangey-yellow but without the print, in suits with no shirts and the shades and Jay-Z's rock and the dreads. I will say, we get to his song here. I wasn't blown away by his bars. I mean, visually, it was stunning. I didn't love his part. Yeah, but the song is like, this is my mood forever. So kind of their Hakuna Matata, I guess. And it kind of ended with an old school Busby Berkeley synchronized swimming bit. Yes, it did. I enjoyed that sequence a lot. So I will be honest, I did not, after seeing all of the couture, fashion, and everything that Beyonce had been wearing during this entire sequence, and which she keeps part of it on, I guess top half was part of her bathing suit, I didn't expect her to be in the water with the rest of the synchronized swimmers. But as I said, like half of what she was wearing was a bathing suit, apparently. And so she comes out of the water center focus. I did not expect her after all of the the couture wear that she had on to expect to see her center focus with all of those synchronized swimmers. I thought it was a really cool effect. Yeah, she fucking owned that swimming bit. So now we go to this outdoor painted on the grass chessboard, and it's a bunch of people dressed like the different pieces. They are playing a human game of chess. It kind of goes into this dark versus light sequence. It's Simba's transitional, you're grown up now. You're now an adult, you're kind of entering into this party phase, you just want to hang out all day, and... Your choices have meaning. Right. Visually, what you're getting in this scene after the chessboard is him getting into his party phase and he's fawning over these girls who are covered with 
tinsel all over their faces. Like, you can't see their faces. It's just sparkly, dangly stuff. Yeah, it kind of freaked me out. Yeah, and they're driving around in a hearse, but it's a hearse decked out like a party limo. (laughs) Yeah. It's got, like, lights and stuff inside. I gotta say, as a guy who had a friend who had a hearse back in high school, that's what he wished it was. (laughs) So the next scene is very Rafiki, and it's a, like, the who are you truly scene. The choreography in the scene was fucking baller. And then what's probably my favorite, I, ooh, the next two are my two favorite sequences, I think. This goes into the Rafiki Remember Who You Are song. This is the one with Pharrell, and I think it's called What Are You Waiting For? Yep. The song is just super catchy. It's a total bop. There's beautiful shots. Pretty much any shot from this song, you could just pause your movie and you have a beautiful photograph. Yeah. And that's the case for a lot of the movie, but literally every single shot in this song was breathtaking. Yeah, They even had this really cool setup of, he's just like out in the middle of a desert and he's standing on a stack of either, it's either gas bottles or water bottles, but they make like a mosaic behind yeah, them. They've made really just like cool. this big pyramid mosaic out of bottles and it's really cool. And the next song is Brown Skin Girl, which is probably my other favorite sequence. It starts at this kind of debutante ball. This is when Lupita Nyong'o shows up. And Kelly Rowland. And this song is really cute. And it's just supposed to be super empowering to young black girls. And it is. Watching it, I was like, man, this would mean a lot to me if I were a little girl of color. It very much reminded me of the No Man's Land scene in Wonder Woman. Which Bob will tell you, I have an intense reaction to. Yeah. When I saw that scene, I broke down sobbing because it just blew my mind i just remember sitting there thinking this movie was made for me and i didn't know how badly i needed that i didn't know how badly i needed a superhero whose power was her femininity and her sympathy and her empathy her aspects of being a woman were what made her powerful and good And I just broke down sobbing in the theater because it just meant so much to me that after almost 30 years, I finally got to see a superhero that was made for me by people like me. And I'm so stoked that Beyonce is making that kind of content for children of color. I love her for it. I want all the little kids to feel the way I felt when I watched Wonder Woman. But anyway. Big thumbs up. I I got nothing to say as a white male. (laughs) (laughs) Wise. Wise, sir. (laughs) But yeah, I just found that scene super adorable, really feel good, fun time. So next we have a song that's supposed to parallel to Simba coming back home and taking his place at the throne. I think the song's called You're the Key to the Kingdom. Visually, we've got a wedding happening. The bride's dress and headpiece are gorgeous. All of the costumes, oh my god. Spared no expense. (laughs) Yeah kind of juxtaposed with that is this person dancing in front of a bunch of dudes with like parliament wigs. I don't really know what's happening there. I'm sure there's some really big statement. There might be. I think it's over my head. I I looked at Kate and I said, by the way, I have no fucking clue what's going on here. Yeah, I don't know if it was making a statement about colonialism because that's Probably very likely, but I, I'm not going to pretend to know what was happening, but I it was an awesome I, sequence. Yeah, no, it was interesting and, and, and visually thought-provoking, but the fuck was going on there? 
And please tell me. I'd, I'd rather know than not know. Right. <laughs> I tried to do a lot of research before this episode and read a couple different analyses to get a better understanding of everything that was going on. But I just didn't find anything about that scene in particular. So then this big dust storm rolls in. We are back to Beyonce putting the baby in the basket that we saw at the beginning of the movie. She puts the basket in the river and then it looks <laughs> like the basket goes over a waterfall. <laughs> and Bob and I turned and looked at each other like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts to a grown man emerging from the water. And I was like, oh, are, is, are we saying he's grown? He's a man now? Whatever. But then they cut back to another shot and we're back at the basket. So the basket didn't go over the waterfall. <laughs> it no. was just a miscommunication of the editing, I think. <laughs> yeah. But she is singing a song in an African language. I unfortunately don't know which one as she takes the baby back out of the basket. But it's a very beautiful song. And then we get a super badass scene. We've got Beyonce as Nala saying, your reign is over, Scar. And we go into this lioness song. Are you with me, lions? Yes. And it is in this super trippy hallway that's covered in wallpaper and it makes your eyes cross. But then all of the dancers are in these really bold colors. So they pop and it looks amazing. And the choreography is insane. This was my other favorite sequence in it. It's so cool. I will say... The entire production, the choreography was on point. Yeah. At no point did I go, well, that was kind of janky. World-class dancing going on throughout this entire production. Mm -hmm. So Simba returns home and it finishes with a song that Beyonce sings with a choir. It's gorgeous. The song's called Spirit. It was, I think, the main release with the movie. It might be the one that plays during the credits. And then... The movie ends with a baby being held up like Simba. Yep. And then it cuts to a dedication to her son. And that is Black is King. For things that I didn't love the most about it, really my only true complaint, other than like, it's not super plot heavy, but that's not what it's supposed to be. So that's fine. There was a lot of use of almost super eight video, like real old school handheld home video kind of camera. It kind of felt like I was watching the opening to the Wonder Years. Yeah. And I felt like that was kind of a waste of the beautiful landscapes and imagery. Everything that was filmed in HD was so stunningly gorgeous. I'll be honest. Whenever they would cut to that, what I thought was, oh, somebody's uncle showed up with a Super 8 and was like, no, 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 it'll be good. You'll want to cut this in because it'll give it like a family home filmed kind of thing to it. And they went... Yep, sure, we'll do that. Because, as you're saying, everything else is gorgeous in this. Yeah, it kind of felt like bad art school. Yeah. Like that hipster kid who's like, I'm going to do this on Super 8. Especially when it did the same shots that you were watching in HD, and then it cut to that shot done over in this low-resolution, not HD in any way, shape, or form, square letterboxed. It just felt way out of place. Yeah, and I just felt like they did themselves a disservice. Yeah. Why have all these beautiful, intricate costumes and these beautiful landscapes and then put a bunch of blur effects over it and you can't even really see it? It just takes you out of the moment. I think if they had just been consistent with the cinematography style, but like, you're right. Those shots just take you out of it. Yeah. As far as things that I loved, I liked a decent amount of music. 
Which, like, Beyonce can- I know this is sacrilege. She can be a little hit and miss for me. But for the most part, I liked the music in it, which I was kind of pleasantly surprised by. Mm-hmm. There were a couple songs that I really loved. And then, of course, I have to give the shout out again to the choreography and the costumes. The costumes were done by Zarina. It's either Ackers or Acres. Acres, I'm betting. If she doesn't win some kind of Emmy or Golden Globe for that, then she's been robbed. Because Heck, even Oscar. Oscar, whatever Disney Plus falls under, I guess it would be Oscars. Those costumes were phenomenal. Yeah, they were breathtaking. You got any other notes? No. Most of the things I had to say, I said, it's definitely not aimed at my demographic. And I get that. And it's still interesting to watch. I think anybody, even outside of the demographic that it's aimed at, should see it. I agree. I think it's worth the time. I think it's it's worth the effort. And it doesn't take a lot of effort. It's on your Disney Plus. If you're listening to this, you have it. So it's worth the time to even just put it on and watch it while you're doing something else. And just enjoy the beauty and the gorgeous artistic work that's going on there. Yeah. Is it my cup of tea? Am I going to sit down and watch it every Christmas or something? No. Mostly because it's not a Christmas film. But it's definitely an experience that I think most people should experience. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Bob. So on a scale of one to five leopard print Rolls Royces... Ooh, <laughs> what do you uh, give Black is King? <laughs> see, I think that is a loaded question. Um, Do you want me to go first? Sure. I think, because here's where I fall. Okay. I think the movie is incredibly important. Yes. I think you're right in that people who it isn't directed to should also see it. Yeah. But I think it is great for children of color. I fucking love Beyonce because let's be real, being a woman in Hollywood, being able to direct or produce anything is hard enough, let alone a woman of color. And star. And star. And write the music. I fucking love that she's like, I'm in a position where I can do this and I can make a statement and I can make something for my people and educate people on the beauty of African culture and fuck yeah, girl. Like I love her using her status to kind of get that message out there. So I do think it's very important. Am I going to go back and rewatch it a lot? No, I'm kind of with you. It's something I could maybe put on on the background and kind of listen to it. Like I said, I like the music. It's not something that I would sit and focus my attention on probably ever really again. I feel the same thing about The Wall. I fell asleep during The Wall. Like I I think I might have did too. <laughs> as much as I love, I love the music from it. I think Pink Me Floyd too. had a lot to say. And I think that it was very important at its time. But if you try to sit down and just watch The Wall, and maybe this is just me or me and you or whatnot, it's not amazing. It's not the easiest watch. No, it's not accessible per se. So what I have to say about it is I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. It's not my cup of tea, but I hope that people who are out there that have that taste find this piece of art. Yeah. So I think I'm going to settle on three stars because it's very important. But if I'm rating a movie, I have to rate rewatchability and overall enjoyment. And I would be lying if I said that when we paused it halfway through the to let the dogs out to pee, I wasn't a little sad that there was still 45 minutes left. (laughs) I was really tired and it was not keeping my attention the best. Right. Again, because it's not super plot-based. So even though it is beautiful and important, I also, just as a viewer, have to review it in terms of rewatchability. 
Right. So that kind of makes it lose some points. So I think I'm going to settle at three Rolls Royces. Three leopard print Rolls Royces. I... I was coming in at two and a half, and I think you've made a very compelling argument. And I like that about what we do and when we talk about these things, that our opinions matter, and then how we perceive them in other people's eyes also are important. Yeah, I think we've swayed each other a couple times now. Yeah, it's true. I want to say I was coming in at a strong two and a half because we have to also compare this to everything else that we've watched and our scale as much as, you know, we're just a podcast and no one really cares what we rate things. But to me, the integrity of the scale is important. I'm not just going to hand out a five for willy nilly. You know, it's just who I am. So I would agree with you. I think its importance in itself does raise it and I will meet you on a three. Nice. All right, Bob. Well, it is your turn to roll. You want to roll okay. for next week? I I don't know. I'm scared. Our our rolls have been up and down. If you could roll a Marvel movie, that'd be great. It would be great, wouldn't it? All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. Five hundred and twenty-three. On the high end. Haven't been up there in a while. <gasps> Bob, you did so good. See, nine times out of ten, I do well. It's Pocahontas! Oh, okay. Oh, spoiler alert. This is one of my favorites. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, Bob. Thank you I, for rolling so, so good. I do what I can. <laughs> Think of me like your little raccoon Avenger with a little hummingbird sword. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you guys will join us in two weeks for our next film review adventure of Pocahontas. In the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. And follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Disney Roulette Pod. And listen, I have not updated TikTok in literal months. I have the videos on my phone. I just have to edit them. I will get some drink recipes up there, I promise. <laughs> she has a lot on her plate and she's had long days at work and whatnot. And she just updated the uh, website. So check that out for all of our episodes. And as far as I roll die as well, too. Yeah, updated the art galleries as well. Yeah, so check it all out. Or you can shoot us an email at DisneyRoulettePodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at BrowseHouseMedia.com or by rating and reviewing on your podcast app of choice. Thanks, as always, to Bob for co-hosting with me, and thank you listeners for joining us. And our final thought for today. We have always been wonderful. I see us reflected in the world's most heavenly things. Black is king. We were beauty before they knew what beauty was.